listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Toyin Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Tough shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamajama presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. My name is Andy Yanez and you can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. I will be one of your co-hosts here for this episode. And I'm your second host, Justin Barbosa, and you can follow me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as hitting the subscribe on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Justin, let's jump right into it. We have a lot of content to cover. Uh, let's start. Let's jump right into it with the Houston men's side, currently on a six-game winning streak. As we recorded this on Wednesday, they are set to face off against Tulane on Thursday. Um, interesting stat: they have not trailed in a hundred and four in hundred and fifty-four minutes. They have not trailed in a game. Uh, in 154 minutes since January 9th, which coincidentally was when they played Tulane, who will be their opponent tomorrow. Uh, And they have won their last four straight games by double-digit margins. Uh, Really, Justin, what have you seen from the Cougars in this recent, you know, stretch, including their their revenge game against Tulsa a week ago? I've been seeing a lot more ball movement and uh, just a lot more spacing on the floor and especially from the three-point line and shooting-wise, especially with Marcus Sasser and uh, Quentin Grimes. And it's really since that loss to Tulsa, I mean, this UH team has just taken off. First, you know, getting that big win against SMU, and really the only close game was against Wichita State. And even then, I mean, UH, you know, went into a big lead by the end of the second half and for, you know, Wichita State cut the lead to seven for the end of the game. But ever, ever since, they've just been on fire and, I think what I'm really impressed by the most was the rebounding in that Tulsa game where I believe it was like 50-something to 21, something like that. I mean, they've just been crushing it on the boards. Yeah, you mentioned that they're actually second in the entire country in offensive rebounding. You know, one of the key contributors to that stat has been uh, Justin Gorham, who's just become a double a double-double machine. He's had He has five double-doubles now on the season. He had his last against I believe Tulsa he had a 14.10 rebound oh no my mistake against Temple he had a 14.10 rebound double double which was his fifth of the season um he's taken over the the Cougars lead for for rebounding it, it had been Quentin Grimes not Justin Gorham's kind of stepped into the role what do you see from Gorham and recently during the stretch I see he's been getting a little bit more involved the offense like scoring on the inside and even on the three-point line and of course, we've seen the same intensely on defense and uh, getting the boards. But other than that, really just offensively, Gorn's been more involved. Yeah, it's funny you talk about that intensity after the game. Uh, I, I believe I, it might have been against after Temple, one of those games, 
a reporter asked Justin Gorham about how their identity is in their rebounding, and he talked a little bit about the the bubble drill, which is kind of their signature drill at this point uh, when it comes to the Cougars and how they rebound. And he talked about how during the really during the early parts of the season when they do the the bubble drill more often, how he described it as a war, <laughs> those battles in practice, and really the way he described it is when that bubble goes on the rim, there aren't any rules or they don't call any fouls or anything. It's literally a free for all to, to try to get as many rebounds as you can. And, you know, now towards the middle part of the season, and Calvin Sampson talked about how they don't necessarily do that as often anymore, because at this point in the season, it's kind of an expectation. And with the Cougars, you see it across the board. I mean, if you look down at their, their stats and, and rebounding, you have, you know, six players that are averaging four rebounds or more. And, you know, two out of the top three outside of Gorham are guards. It's Quentin Grimes, who's second on the team, and Dejan Giroux, who's third. So it's just part of their identity. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, the bubble on the rim for practices. And uh, when teams go against U of H, you pretty much expect it to be like almost like WWE hell in the cell against the Cougars because they just get all physical and all that gets the other team. So if you're the other team facing the Cougars, you got to be ready, you know, to get into that rebounding battle. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that WWE is basically a no holds barred match. Anything goes once the once the ball hits the rim and it's just a, a basically a scrum to see who can come out with the ball. Um, another player you mentioned when you were talking about him earlier was Marcus Sasser. And really he has been one of the two Cougars that has really kind of found his groove offensively particularly in the past couple of games um, since the calendar turned to 2021, he has scored, he has finished in double figures in five out of the last six games. And, you know, they're playing two lane on Thursday. And the last time they played two lane was on January 9th. And he scored his career high 28 points. And he broke his own for Tita center record, which he set at the beginning of the season uh, for three point field goals made, which was uh, the new record is now eight. He hit eight against two lane back in the first meeting and really he only he finished one shy of tying the all-time record or in program history which is nine three-point field goals made which was still held by Robert McIver I feel like he's certainly gonna have to make one more run with it because whenever he has his stroke is so smooth it's one motion and when he has it going I mean he he can yeah, I hate comparing him to, to, you know, NBA players, but when he has that stroke going, just how effortlessly it, it, it is, it kind of, sometimes it kind of reminds me of Clay Thompson. While he, a little like Clay Thompson, but he, some of his favorite moves, is just a little crossover in between the legs and then he just rises up and shoots over his opponents. And when he's hitting that shot, it's pretty hard to defend them. Yeah, I was thinking, Bill, about a little bit of uh, Steph Curry with the range he has. I mean, just a little hesitation when he's get, when he gets that space, he just lets it fly. Exactly. When he gets that confidence going, I mean, it's really hard to stop him. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does against the, the green wave on Thursday. I'll be interested to see how they defend him differently. Um, they tried a zone uh, in the first meeting. And, you know, Calvin Sampson talked about a, a good zone. Really, it's just the offensive team missing shots. And if the Cougars can get Sasser and, Quentin Grimes is another player that we're going to talk about right now. If they're hitting their shots, they're pretty hard to to stop. Another point that you mentioned of Justin Gorham, he's starting to to shoot the three a little bit more. Get, get Kelvin Sampson talked a little bit about that too, how, you know, it was a struggle for him when he first came, uh, when Gorham first transferred over. 
to the Cougars and just kind of getting the green light to shoot. Um, Kelvin talked about how he encourages them if he's open to take the shot. And sometimes it's been a struggle for Gorham uh, to realize he's open and this is a shot he should take. And we definitely see Gorham making more of those threes when he's more open and really get more involved in the offense. Some of we didn't see back in the 2019-2020 season. You know, we saw Gorham struggle that three-point shot. We've really seen him really gain confidence offensively. Exactly. I think that's the biggest key out of really the biggest change out of anything. It's just his comfort level with the program, his confidence, as you mentioned. And really, that's kind of given him the, the I would say, I wouldn't say the tools to succeed, but just kind of the mentality where he's like one of the cornerstones of the team uh, Kelvin Sampson said he was the the heart and soul of this team uh, a while ago and it, it certainly seems that way where not only does he spark the team in terms of rebounding and that and obviously that's been the program's identity for a while but you know just crashing the boards and now getting points up too just getting those uh I believe I, I don't remember where the saying is from but the people that get those offensive boards and, and just put put it back they get those garbage um <laughs> it sounds negative, but the saying is those garbage man points because they're cleaning up all the misses from, from, you know, the rest of the players. Yeah, it's definitely going to be scary when uh, if Fabian White comes back this season. I know there's speculation, but I don't think he's going to come back this season. But I just can't imagine what it would be like if you got Gorham and Fabian White on the court together. Even though I know it's probably not going to happen this year. And of course, with Gorham, you- that's it this senior year. Yeah, you mentioned that, and it's interesting you bring up Fabian White. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kelvin Sampson didn't uh, necessarily shoot that idea down. Um, in fact, w- when he was asked about it, his direct words were, I don't know. Um, so it certainly looks like they're at least leaving the possibility open. Um, what we've heard from Fabian White so far about Fabian White um, so far in terms of the availabilities is he's uh, he's progressed well in his rehab. They, he, um, the what's biggest the Cougars are still waiting is for him to get clearance to to be able to participate in full full um, team activities. He's been doing two on two type of drills with his teammates so far, and uh, an interesting story that Kelvin shared I believe a week ago was. Justin Gorham actually tweaked his ankle uh, during practice in one of the one of the practices a week ago, and he told Fabian White to check into the to the drill and kind of fill in for Gorham, and and White jumped, he ran, and he 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 was ready to to do it, and Kelvin told him, "I'm joking, get off the floor, Fabian." Uh, but that that just kind of gives you a sense of where he is mentally. Um, I believe he told the Houston Chronicle that he believes that his his leg that he he tore his ACL in is stronger than it was a season ago and he's confident it, it's certainly going to be something to watch especially with the, basically the free year of eligibility that the NCAA has granted to all the student athletes so I wouldn't rule it out and if they can get him back uh, especially if they can get him back maybe you know in early March which I believe it'll be about 10 it'll put him at 9 or 10 months after the injury uh, which is about the timetable might be pushing it a little bit, but if he can come back, back, you know, the first or second week of March where he can get maybe one or two regular season games in and then the conference tournament before the big uh, March Madness tournament, um, that'll certainly be a 
a plus for the Cougars because they, they'd be able to give them a couple of games to kind of catch his rhythm. But it is something that I would still lean towards um, at the very least as of now is, is kind of a long shot. Yeah, and you mentioned the extra year eligibility. I think that's really helped Fabian White, and that's probably why he's considering, you know, coming back at the end of the season. And if he does, you know, come back around that time, he's definitely going to need a few games to get into game shape, get used to the speed of the game again, see where he's at. Even if he has to come off the bench, it'll be, you know, really helpful for when the Cougars go into the tournament and into March Madness. But that's where really that extra year has really helped a lot because it gives Fabian, you know, the chance to come back this season and come back for a full year next year. Absolutely. If, if it wasn't for that extra year, he, obviously he'd be sitting out for the entire season, but that, that's what makes it possible and it'll be something to watch. And, you know, it, it might be a difference maker right now. They sit six in the in both the AP and coaches poll. Um, real quick, before we dive into those standings, uh, another player that we wanted to talk about was Quentin Grimes, who you just named the, the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week uh, on Monday um, after the Cougars played two games a week ago. He averaged 16.5 points, eight rebounds, and four assists in, their, in the Cougars' wins over Temple and, and Tulsa. Obviously, both wins were by double digits. What have you seen from Quentin Grimes in not, not only these past two games, but really this entire season? He's definitely been uh, more aggressive in terms of shooting. He, he, you can tell he has a lot more confidence than he did last season because last year he was more just trying to, you know, fit in, get used to the system and buy in. And this year he's really taken over as kind of the leader and starter of that first unit. And he's taken that next step to being that leader. Yeah, that's and you make a good point. And I think uh, really what what's, what's different and what stands out from this season and and last was it's just a, you know, we've kind of talked about it with Justin Corn, but it's just that confidence where you know, he's he doesn't seem to be hesitating or thinking when he he takes a shot or he makes a move. He's kind of more aware and he, he kind of knows okay, this is what I want to do. This is. Is how I'm gonna help this team, and he he doesn't seem to be second guessing himself, you know. For the in an article I wrote for the for the Cougar, um, it was it was a feature on Kobe. What I, I actually recorded that game because they played South Florida. Uh, when when the whole accident happened, and I went back through watch that game for that, and I I was watching how how different Quentin Grimes was kind of um, was a season ago. He tended to dribble a lot. Really, what stood out to me is when. They would pass him the ball. He would just do uh, uh, heavy. He'd dribble a little bit, and then he'd pass it back. And now the difference this season is, you know, once he gets the ball, he kind of knows where it needs to go. And if he has a shot, he's not going to hesitate to shoot it. And that's really paid off for the Cougars this season. And you can definitely see the difference, especially when he shoots the ball now, because he's more aware of where he is on the court and uh, more confident in taking shots. I mean, last year, you know, he was just trying to fit in and, you know, he had a few good games here and there, but he had a lot of, you know, bad games. And we've only seen a couple bad games this year, but we've been seeing a lot more consistency with Quentin. And you're not exaggerating when you said uh, only a couple. Really, it's it depends on his he but he has finished in double, double figure scoring in 12 out of the 14 games. So he's only had two games where he hasn't finished in double figures and, Really, he, he's been consistent offensively this season. I think that's the biggest improvement. That's the biggest 
win that the Cougars will take when it comes to Quentin Grimes. He's consistent. He's rebounding. And really, he just looks comfortable. He knows what he his role is, and he's accepted it. And I really want to talk about Dejon Giroux. He's been uh, he's been getting more consistent. Uh, just filling up the stat sheet, not really much in terms of scoring, but getting at least ten points, getting the rebounds, and getting steals. And we what we've been really seeing more lately from uh, Dejon is his passing, really being the point guard out there. You know, making the right passes and uh, getting his guys open. Yes. Uh, we're going to end up sounding rep- repetitive a little bit, but uh, another thing with Dejan, you know, last season he struggled just in terms of the situation. He he suffered a hand injury in like about a month before last season started. Uh, this season he had to, hasn't had to deal with that. And, you know, he's still not going to go out there and put strong offensive numbers day in and day out. But like you mentioned, he does a little bit about everything. He's kind of like the, the Swiss Army knife for this Cougars offense. He, he'll get the assists, he'll get the rebounds. Every now and then he'll he'll have a good offensive game and in terms of shooting. And really he's kind of been the, the player that kind of runs the offense. He, he kind of not only controls it on the court, but as the leadership role too. He obviously with the the freshman guards that they have on the team, Traymond Mark and Jamal Shedd, he's kind of been able to play a big role for them in the, in their first season with the Cougars. Yeah, we've been seeing uh, Jamal Mark trying to get, you know, back into rhythm a little bit these last couple games after, you know, getting COVID. But starting to see Tremont starting to improve a little bit. You know, seeing those uh, guys on bench. We've been seeing uh, Jawan Roberts getting some minutes too. Yeah, Jaywan Roberts, uh, Reggie Chaney, they, you know, we kind of go, leaning back on on uh, going back to what you talked about, Fabian White, but uh, you know, Jaywan Roberts and Reggie Chaney have kind of had to step up to fill those roles at the at the forward and and at the big position essentially to help Bryson Gresham and Justin Gorham, and uh, they've been a little bit more inconsistent when it comes to just uh, their play in particular. I know. Really, it, it's had to do with just the way the Cougars have played. There are games where you know they get a decent amount of minutes. There, there are other games where they they don't get as much, and uh, I think that just comes with kind of um, adjusting to to the team. You know, obviously, Jaywan Roberts is a was a redshirt a season ago, but he's still a freshman, and Reggie Chaney transferred in the offseason, so they they are still trying to adapt to to the culture and kind of trying to find their role, kind of like where Quorum and and Quentin Grant for a season to go. Yeah, should I say uh, coming up, we're going to hey. talk about uh, the women's team in their last couple games. Yeah, coming. Yeah, we'll talk about standings. We'll we'll keep talking about the men's standings in the, in the polls. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's thoughts on conference tournaments and a women's basketball update. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, we're going to talk about the UH men's team in the standings and Kelvin Sampson's thoughts on the American Conference Tournament. And also, we're going to talk about the women's team and their last few games and how they're doing. And we are back for the second half of Pod Slamajama, presented by Clutch City Control Room. Real quickly, Justin, let's take a look at the polls in the standings. We'll, we'll do both the standings and the polls. Um, really not much to talk about in, in terms of the American Athletic Conference standings. The Cougars are by far number one above the conference when it comes to the American Athletic 
uh, conference standings. They are obviously first with an eight and one conference record. Uh, but real quickly, before we get back on that, we'll jump over to the polls. They after on Monday's polls, they finished sixth in the AP poll, sixth in the coaches poll, and as of Sunday's games, they were fourth in the net rankings. So, Justin, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, definitely a big rise for the Cougars after falling to at least number 12 after that loss to Tulsa. It's good to see the Cougars back in the top 10. And with Texas current loss to Oklahoma last night, that should put uh, U of H back in the top five. Uh, the Cougars actually moved to number two in the RPI rankings. They are actually number one last week. Really great to see, you know, in another poll, you know, close to that top spot. When we talk about these polls, if you ask, well, if you ask Kelvin Sampson, he will, he will not give you any um, interesting sound bites on those. They actually asked him about, um, you know, how high the Cougars have been in these rankings. And he said he doesn't put much thought into it. And really what his focus is as of now is controlling what he can control or what the whole team can control. But of course, it's always fun for, for everyone else to look at these standings and you know, it'll be interesting. What are your thoughts on the possibility of the Cougars finishing with, you know, getting higher? What if they can get a top two, maybe even possibly number one? What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's really exciting because, you know, U of H hasn't really been this high since the golden days back in the 80s of five slam Jamma. You know, back in 2019 when they finished 33 and four, you know, they got at least the three seed, but you know, to be this high, it's, you know, been such a long time coming for this program and just shows how good of a job Kelvin Sampson has done, you know, to rebuild, you know, the University of Houston back to what it was back in the 80s. No, absolutely. And I think the way we we talk about it, it's it's kind of an expectation for them, really. We, we talked about how, you know, it's an expectation for them to to have good rebounding margins and fin- finish out rebounding the opposing teams. This has kind of become an expectation. Um, you know, they were fifth in the country in the AP poll earlier in the season before they lost to Tulsa. They've slowly clawed their way back to at least six. And like you mentioned, with the Texas loss, if they can take care of business against Tulane and SMU, two schools that they've already beaten, um, they'll have a good chance to, to get back into the top five at least. And, you know, when you when you talk about how high they can go, you mentioned how 2019 they were third in, in their bracket. I think it's interesting when you look at it that you, know, you look at the roster and they're not doing it with any, any um, you know, five-star recruits, as you mentioned it in terms of coming out of high school. But it's, it's just kind of interesting and impressive to see how the entire team buys in. And we talked about how Quentin Grimes and Justin Gorham, they've gained confidence. That's something that that's where you can, I think that's where you can, that's the biggest thing you can see in terms of the coaching staff at the University of Houston and the biggest kind of asset in a way that the Cougars have is that coaching. And you can see it on display. They, they help players get confident. They help them find themselves and play at a level where, you know, they, probably wouldn't be playing at another school. You know, Quentin Grimes struggled in Kansas and Justin Gorham in a different school. It'd be interesting. It'd be hard to to see if he could, you know, produce at the same level. Obviously, both of them are great players, but it'll be interesting if, if they'd be able to do that in another team. I think that's where you can see how, you know, 
how good the coaching staff here is. And I remember this uh, one quote from Kelvin Sampson last year. I'm just paraphrasing here, but um, I remember he was talking about recruiting. He recruits guys that fit with the team and that want to buy in, that really fit into the position on the team. Like, even if uh, they're like a really big recruit, like maybe a four or five star recruit, if they don't fit the team, you know, he's not going to get them on the team. He, he wants players that want to buy in and that want to fit in, you know, and play their roles. And, you know, that's just the kind of coach Kevin Sampson is. And we've seen this team, you know, this season, they, they have bought in. And the thing I'm really most impressed by is after the Tulsa loss, I mean, they've responded really well, you know, just really getting back, being focused. And also the loss of, you know, Caleb Mills, and, you know, the team hasn't really been faced by it. And, you know, they just went back to business and just been winning games. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Justin. You talk about them losing Caleb Mills. Obviously, there are various factors that go into it, but U of H has actually been better since Caleb Mills transferred uh, or since he entered the transfer portal and announced he was going to be transferring to Florida State. Uh, I, I think, obviously, a lot of factors go into play. I think the biggest is just they've had more time to play together after the, the COVID pause. But really, they haven't missed beat. And like I said, they haven't trailed in 154 minutes. Like, they're blowing teams out. The only team they haven't beaten by double digits was Wichita State. A, a, a scrappy Wichita State that was playing really good when they came to the Fertitta Center. Um, but really, you know, you mentioned Tulsa. They, when they played them last Wednesday, it, you could tell they, they had that extra motivation. You know, players got asked after the game if they had kind of, kind of that extra incentive to to want to play good against Tulsa. And they, they were honest. They said, yeah, it was, they were motivated. And they remember, I mean, shoot, they're, six seconds away from being perfect from being 14 and 0 and 9 and 0 in conference. So it's interesting to see how dominant they've been. And you you saw them take a step back after the COVID pause. What what you're seeing now is kind of where they picked up before, you know, I think the biggest win obviously before the, the COVID pause was the Texas tech win. And, you know, just look at Texas tech and how good they've been. And the Cougars were up double digits on the, on the red Raiders for most of that game. So, you know, obviously, we, we, the coach is always going to say, oh, we don't put too much stock into these polls or standings. Because at the end of the day, you know, they really don't mean anything once the March Madness tournament comes. But just to see how they've played and how they've, they've kind of passed all the tests that they've been given to them at this point. And absolutely. And uh, we'll segue into the women's basketball as uh, they went on a three-game winning streak before losing the UCF in their last game. And currently, Andy, right now, they're still sets are up 67-62 with 15 seconds left against Tulane. But the women's team, they've been playing really good basketball lately. Yes, real quickly before we jump into it, it's ironic. They're playing Tulane. Uh, I guess it's not ironic. It's just funny that they're playing Tulane uh, on Wednesday and that the men's going to play Tulane on Thursday. But um, real quickly before we dive into any specifics, um, when Julia Blackshell Fair, uh, the senior guard for the Cougars, has will missed the remainder of the season with a torn ACL. Those news broke a week ago. Uh, what she did mention in, in the statement that the university, uh, well, that they released on Twitter was that she will be back next season. She's going to be staying at the university as a grad student. And, you know, we talked about Fabian White, how because of NCAA eligibility rules this season, they'll have an extra year. Well, Julia is going to take advantage of that, and she will be back next season. At least that's what she has said. Thoughts on the injury and how 
big. Um, it will impact the Cougars for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a big loss for this season, but just like Fabian White, you know, the, the rule, the new rule gives her the extra year to come back, which really helps. But it, it's a big loss for this season, especially with the momentum the women's team has this year, you know, improving from last year. And I'm sure it's a big loss, you know, for her, you know, because this was the year of redemption for the Cougars. And the women's team is losing 8.3 points a game and a big chunk of rebounds as she was averaging almost six a game and uh, almost four assists. So it's a big loss and a senior leader for the women's team. I absolutely agree. I think maybe the one, you know, you hate to say positive because it's, you know, you never, you hate to see someone have to miss a, you know, a significant amount of time with, with that type of injury. Um, But I think one I guess the silver lining in his best to phrase it would be that it's kind of give is going to give an opportunity to some of the younger players to to step into the role. It's obviously going to be big shoes to feel uh, both from production standpoint on the court and from a leadership standpoint. But I think, you know, we talked about it off air. Uh, Layla Blair is going to be a, a player that you know, is going to be interesting to see what she can do. If I'd imagine that her minutes are going to see an uptick and, you just mentioned how the Cougars and, and Tulane are playing right now. That game just went final. The Cougars beat Tulane 71-64. And as we're talking, Layla Blair had another good game. She had finished with 14 points, and she played 35 minutes. So I think that's going to be one player that is going to have the biggest upside out of out of this uh, injury, unfortunately. And with the with the win that the, they just defeated Tulane, they they've kind of leapfrogged Tulane in the American Athletic Conference standings. They are now fourth in the conference with a nine and five overall record, six and four conference record. A little more in depth on the win, Maya Crump led the scores with seventeen points. She had two threes. She had eight rebounds, and Diamond Gladney had eight points and a few rebounds as well. So. Mm. It's good to see them, you know, kind of pick up a win. Obviously, they 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 had been on three game winning streak. They lost to Central Florida, which, you know, second team of conferences. Um, I think what they've shown is that they they've kind of gotten out of the basement of the conference. And you talked about how you know when we did our preseason predictions and and the American Athletic Conference released their preseason standings, we we all kind of agreed that where they had them ranked towards, I believe it was seventh or eighth, if I'm not mistaken. That's where they had them finish to to end the season we all agreed that that was way too low and I think what they've shown is they've, they've certainly made an improvement and they're kind of climbing up the standings that right now they're the fourth where I, I believe that's where we uh I, I can't remember which one of us said that you know that'd be about the area where they finish but you know they're not that far away from Temple who's only five and two in, in conference I believe obviously South Florida and Central Florida have kind of separated themselves in terms of the women's standings, but I think the biggest positive of the season is that they're going to get that type of valuable experience. And I think the biggest positive in terms of standings, when you, when you look at it from a bigger perspective is that they've been competitive against both South Florida and Central Florida for the first half of games, which, you know, obviously you hate to, to kind of congratulate a team on being good for spurts, but I think it shows that they have the talent to at least 
be competitive against the top teams in this conference. And I think the biggest thing they need to work on as this season continues into the conference tournament and heading into next season is consistency. And I think with this injury that's going to open up more minutes for for the younger players, it's going to be something that they're going to get a chance to improve on. And it really helps with the chemistry going into this season and then especially next year when you get Julia Blackshell fair back. And it's just really a nice building block for the Cougars to have the youth, you know, gel together and continue to improve, you know, despite the loss of, you know, Blackshell fair, but it's just going to go into big momentum for next year. And when you got that chemistry, you got your senior leader coming back. And as we were talking about the standings, I mean, Cougars are right there, right behind Temple, you know, about a game, game and a half back, you know, they have a shot at that third seed for the American tournament yes and you know in kind of segue a little bit into we talked about conference tournaments uh cbs sports recently had a article or i guess they surveyed a handful of coaches and in that survey they said that more than one out of every four coaches surveyed say that conference tournaments should not be held this season um that's interesting when it comes to both the men's and women's side, I believe, obviously, the, the conference tournaments are scheduled to happen the week, the weekend before the big March Madness tournament uh, in March. And they have not asked uh, Ron Huey yet on his thoughts about this report, but they have asked Kelvin Sampson. And he said, as of now, uh, which I'll emphasize, obviously, there's still entire month of February left and things can change. But as of now, he says he's in favor of conference tournaments. And it's interesting to say that we, we, we just talked about where the, the men's side stand in the conference standings. They're unlike the, the women's side there, they're running away with the American athletic conference. The men's team is, they are eight and one in conference and ooh, Memphis and Wichita state are second and third. They both have two losses and, they're five. Memphis is five and two. Wichita State is four and two, which, you know, they've kind of fallen behind the pack. And I think the Cougars are going to have a great chance to build more separation uh, in the coming days with Tulane and SMU. It's interesting for me, at least, that, that Kelvin Sampson took that at such a strong stance in support of the conference tournament. Obviously, last season, the conference tournament was canceled. They were scheduled to be in Fort Worth at the Dickies Arena. Just in terms of, you know, if the Cougars have that burst and the NCAA tournament basically unlocked, you know, barring something drastic happening, um, it wouldn't necessarily benefit the Cougars as much to, to participate in a conference tournament. And really, one might argue it might be more of a, a bad thing or more of a not necessarily a bad thing, but a bigger risk. You know, with, with the coronavirus going on, or obviously every time you step on the court, you never know what could happen. Yeah, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. It's it's kind of a big risk, and it also puts more, you know, to call it more fatigue into the Cougars' legs with more games, you know, going into, you know, the, the NCAA tournament. And I think probably two reasons why Kelvin wants to play in a tournament. He, uh, of course, probably the disappointment of last year with the cancellation and I think the other one is falling short the couple of years before, you know, in close, you know, tough matchups against Cincinnati in the tournament championship. Yeah, I think really for 
other teams in the conference that the conference tournament is going to be more important for them because the way things are shaping out right now, it, it, if it's not that conference tournament and to get that automatic bid, it, the American Athletic Conference might, on the, at least on the men's side, it might end up being a one-bid league. You know, we look over to the women's side, I think they have a better chance of you know, at least getting two teams into the conference, into, not the conference tournament, to the NCAA tournament with South Florida and Central Florida. Um, so it's interesting. It's obviously, you, know, you would think that Houston, you know, might kind of favor. Uh, obviously, you tell coaches and players they're going to want to play as many games as possible, but in terms of what they would gain from the conference tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if towards the end of March, if things are, aren't better. And, that, and that's another thing, obviously with the new COVID-19 variants, um, it, it might put the conference tournament at risk. I, one person told me um, that covers the team is obviously the American athletic conference is aiming towards, they, they really want to have the tournament just because of the financial stakes that are involved and, and like I said, the other teams are going to want to have the tournament too, just because it might be their only chance of getting into the NCAA tournament. Yes, it's definitely a big risk and a really, really tough questions to answer. But, you know, for all these teams, they want to play, you know, more basketball and just continue to play and just to have a chance to get into a big dance. But it's just, just so many questions involved, you know, to make this tournament happen. I mean, the risk of COVID and, chance for fatigue on players' legs, going to the tournament. You know, I think, you know, in my opinion, not having the tournament will be beneficial to Cougars, you know, have fresh legs going into the tournament. But with Kelvin Sampson's drive, I, I think he wants to get over that hump and finally win the tournament title. I th- and here's another thing that, that could play a factor into that week. Um, obviously, the Cougars, the Cougars have had to postpone and reschedule a few games. They're still waiting on on the Cincinnati game that had to be postponed last Saturday. And they're still waiting to, to reschedule that one. I think something that Kelvin Thompson has talked about that could, that could play a factor is, you know, teams might be looking to reschedule games the Monday and Tuesday before the conference tournament, which uh, the first day of the conference tournament, it's usually on Thursday. And, it, you know, when it comes to the Cougars, they – the good chance they won't play on Thursday because they'll have a top seed for sure. Um, but that's still, if they open the conference tournament on a Friday and they play on a Monday, I think there's a chance they might end up overloading their teams just in terms of say a team plays on Tuesday and then they have to play on Friday and the conference tournament is until you win. So you play on Friday, then you play again on Saturday and then the conference championship on Sunday. That's a lot of games to then only have a, you know, about a week turnaround for the NCAA tournament. And that's not counting COVID, obviously, you know, if they have an infection that week, hopefully it, it, it doesn't. But if they were to have one, they only have one week. And obviously that's not enough of a, of a window to to meet the, the quarantine days that are required. Yeah, as I was saying, it, it, it's just a tough situation, you know, to think about with the, like you said, the COVID and meeting quarantine uh, protocol, you know, if uh, one or two teams happens to get the virus and, you know, a lot of those teams, I'm sure the tournament's going to be like in a bubble setting. 
know, I'm sure a lot of those teams and players are going to have to quarantine. And with most likely in the American, you know, U of H is gonna, probably going to be the only team in the conference this year to make the tournament. You know, it just puts uh, them at risk and then could be for, you know, in contention to play for the tournament or could affect the tournament as well. Well, that's pretty much going to do it for this show. Uh, Justin, real quickly, one more thing that did happen over the weekend. Uh, former U of H men's guard Nate Hinton scored his first career points in the NBA. And of all the teams that he did it against, it was against the Houston Rockets. He scored five points in his in the Rockets. And his first basket as an NBA player was a mid-range pull-up from the paint. Justin, what are your thoughts on and Hinton getting his first points? It's pretty exciting to see, you know, see a guy that was really the Swiss Army knife last year for the team finally get his chance in the NBA. And, you know, it's definitely a heck of a journey for him because, you know, he kind of went into the draft a little early, leaving his sophomore year and uh, went undrafted. But, you know, we get to this point and score some points and, you know, make a little bit of, you know, try to make a little bit of a – trying to stand out, make a rotation. You know, it, it, I'm glad for Nate Hinton. Absolutely. And it, it's funny that you mentioned he left a little bit early when he did score his points. There were a couple of people on Twitter, a couple of UH fans that started dreaming about, imagine how this team would look like if they still had Nate Hinton. You know, they are six in the country currently at Nate Hinton to the mix and whoosh, they might be up there with Gonzaga and Baylor. What are your thoughts on that? I think so. It, it, it's, uh, it's fun to imagine. It's the same thing last year. If we, you know, if we had Marmani Brooks, I mean, it's a lot of what ifs, but you know, the team's doing great. And Kevin Sampson, you know, has put in place that, that culture, but it would just be really fun to see, you know, what would happen if Nate hadn't stayed one more year. Ah, uh, the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. But anyways, that is going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysts, speculations, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description below to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of Pod Slamajama, covering your University of Houston Cougars.